Hey everyone, alright, so my name's Jonathan Figueroa, gonna do a quick introduction um, episode to uh, what I see and dream of being a um, very successful and very um, inspiring and useful podcast to my local community. And maybe, uh, hopefully, if I can get big enough, I will reach out um you know, worldwide, that's eventually the the dream. So I have a tendency of having um, oversized dreams, which I'm not ashamed of uh, expressing anymore, actually, with uh, what I have had happen in my life. Um, this will be part of like uh, what the podcast will be kind of centered around. Um, I'll use my platform to kind of bring in uh, locals from my community here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, just to go over like life stories, um, just their lifestyle in Charlotte, um, in travel. Um, I, I really want to um, uh, center around uh, entrepreneurs in um did I say that word right? Yeah, entrepreneurs in Charlotte, um, just specifically because I've always had the entrepreneurial mindset and I admire um, entrepreneurs that are uh, like way ahead of me in the game that are succeeding um, and the ones that are like behind me as well. I'm definitely um, that type of individual that likes to pay it forward uh, once I'm able to, obviously. You definitely don't want to get caught up in trying to help people so much to where um, you, you're not helping yourself, you're neglecting yourself uh, as well. Definitely want to keep this podcast very versatile. Um, I am a single uh, father, uh, widower. Um, I definitely want to avoid from identifying myself as a widower. Um, Not to say that I not have um, uh, love um, with my wife or anything like that. It's just um, definitely don't want to be seen as um, uh, a person that's been like, Uh, victimized in life by uh, what life basically uh, is, which is, um, you know, you live it and at some point it ends. We all know that that is um, the common ground that we have, like uh, all around the world, no matter what your race, religion, uh, culture, uh, you you know, we all have that in common. Um, So definitely, like I said, I want to keep this podcast very open to where it's very versatile. I'll be going over um, various topics. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to run through industries as well. I have a large network of people that work in all sorts of industries. I'm going to pull them in Um, definitely to provide value to the market is my goal. Uh, so that if anybody out there, you know, has questions about uh, any specific industry that you're about to go into as far as work goes, or as, that you're about to go into as a consumer, um, or if you're looking to uh, invest in yourself, because like I said, I am going to be uh, speaking with uh, entrepreneurs in Charlotte locally that are helping locals, um, obviously up their uh, game, or I should say, level up when it comes to income. Uh, that is definitely something. That that has been a um, big thing for me going into 2019. Um, uh, in 2018, I spent the majority of my uh, time self-reflecting, understanding what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, and just learning to accept the fact that I'm not good at certain things and just um, maximizing on what I am good at. Uh, I, I do feel that this is a very important thing for people to do in life. As I've walked through it, it, it has helped me become a better father, a better friend, a better son, um, and, it, and it helped me become a better husband um, during my journey. Um, so a little background on what I'm talking about. So uh, I was married to my wife for 10 years. Unfortunately, two years ago, 
she passed away due to a um i want to say just a, a um an abnormality uh in her chest I don't want to say it was like a, it was a growth for sure, but I, they were never able to fully confirm that it was cancer. Um, I, I, we do believe it was a form of cancer that they were just were never able to tackle, um, just due to the fact that uh, they didn't actually find anything until right after she had delivered our baby girl, Elena. Um, and going, uh, I'll go a little more deeper into my kids and everything um, in later episodes but i'll kind of just kind of try to stay around my story so uh, i i was with her for 10 years uh her name was ember don barton uh after obviously after we were married she took all my, my last name so ember don figueroa um you can look her up on facebook our whole story is on there uh, my facebook is linked so feel free to kind of follow me on facebook if you choose to or just kind of stalk me as well you know just don't get creepy that's all i ask <laughs> Um, so in, in our story, like we met, uh, when she was in high school, I was fresh out of high school. So I guess you could call us high school sweethearts. At least I know I was her high school sweetheart. Um, today I keep finding notes that she wrote to me all on her own that I never really received that she never really gave to me. Just kind of had notebooks, um, where she wrote out dreams that she had of us where we were going to go. Um, we definitely had a plan. We definitely, um, didn't see this coming, but that's another reason why I feel like I need to get this story out there so that people humble themselves in in today's society and realize that it can all easily just be taken away from you in a blink of an eye. Uh, so to keep moving on with my story, so we met, um, like I said, she was in high school, about to be, about to come out of high school, um, and I was fresh out. Um, I was I think I was 18 turning 19. Uh, Some would say, I guess, that I was rocking the cradle a little bit there because she was, I think, 16 turning 17. Uh, We we never really had intended to actually date. We actually just became friends, ironically, through um, my sister-in-law now uh, that is my best friend. And, um, and then just something just kind of happened. People will call it chemistry. People call it energy. Um, it just, it just, we just clicked. We were best friends from the, uh, from the get go. Like we just, we never really got bored of ourselves. We did everything together. Uh, some people would even say we were attached to the hip. Um, we had a lot of friends that would tell us alongside like, Hey, like, don't you ever get bored of hanging out with each other? And truth be told, we never really did. Um, there were a lot of arguments that happened, obviously, but those come and go. Um, later on, we ended up deciding to move in uh, with each other, and that kind of took um, a turn for the worse as far as on her end. Her family wasn't really feeling that, wasn't really um, happy about that because she was so young. She was actually still in high school. Um, <clears throat> but uh, nonetheless, I actually was... Um, or am actually, I do believe like knowledge is power. So I, I do believe that like your education is important. So I did push her every day. I got up and took her to school because she did not have a car. The only car we had was mine at the time. Uh, I think I was driving a 20 or 2007 Nissan Titan. I believe is what it was. It was like a navy blue Nissan Titan that I was driving. Um, great truck, man. I loved it when they first originally came out. I don't know what in the world they did with with that. Um, it got into the diesel market and everything like that. Uh, and I'm I'm not a big fan of the model now, but I love the engine. 
Um, anyway, so, uh, we, you know, we lived our life. We enjoyed, man, had a lot of great times. Um, our relationship developed. Of course, there were, um, major bumps in the road as all relationships, um, you know, run into. Um, one of the things that, uh, I think is important is when you, when you, when you're looking to, uh, settle down with someone, just, I guess, make sure, like, cause what I realized from the get go was just that she was very selfless and was very, um, dedicated to our relationship, uh, would not give up, would not give up on me, um, as I would never gave up on her. Uh, as a man, I struggle with my own issues as far as like what men struggle with, you know, lusting, um, you know, not communicating well, uh, not sharing emotions well. You know, these are all things that we do struggle with as men. I do feel like it's, it's, it kind of centers around how we're brought up. Uh, we're brought up to just be like strong, uh, authoritative figures and providers of the home. Um, when, you know, I feel like that's, it is important, but I do feel like it's not the the priority because you should be taught to be able to have relationships with people, not just women, just in general. I think it's important in life to teach your children to um, maintain relationships and be able to sustain them and be able to tolerate people and understand how to communicate. I think communication is a big key to happiness uh, with other people. Um, I, don't, I think if you don't learn how to communicate well with other people, you will uh, basically fall on your face in society because everyone will either take you as egotistic, you don't know how, you, you're like all about yourself, you're full of yourself, or just a complete uh, introvert that doesn't know how to talk, doesn't like to talk to people and just wants to be indoors or uh, settle down in their home and just kind of hang out and chill, um, which is, you know, I, I, I find myself in a happy medium. Um, uh, as far as labels go, I guess you could put me in between an introvert and an uh, extrovert. Um, I'm more, I guess, leaning towards the extroverted side, but I, I really think that that all boils down to like what you want out of life. I don't think that labels can really determine uh, who you are or should, I should say, should determine who you are and how you're going to be, you know, with people in your life. I think if you just focus on yourself and internally and look to, um, you know, to, to you, um, you'll, you'll come to find out, like you'll find out a lot about a lot about yourself that you really weren't paying attention to because you were so busy looking outward and looking to other people for their opinion of you. This is something that I realized shortly after my wife passed. Um, so kind of jumping back into our story, we, we decided to get married. I think it was, we were like seven years into our relationship. Um, um, a lot of that, was just because I felt like we weren't ready financially. I felt like I had this idea, um, like in my mind, because of what society puts out there, that I needed to have the ring, I needed to have the house, I needed to have everything in order so that when we got married, we have that big wedding. Um, you know, come to find out after everything did happen and my wife passed, I realized that it, none of that really mattered in the end. Right. It mattered in the moment with, you know, again, society being especially with social media kicking in, like being able to share it with people, being able to share it with your family. Um, but I think what I realized is the importance of like your love relationship with your spouse or your loved one that you do have. Um, I think it's important to just focus on the health of that relationship, not the health of the image of that relationship. A lot of times we get caught up, 
excuse me, a lot of times we get caught up um, in trying to impress, trying to show people that we live an interesting life, trying to show people like that, you know, trying to show people um, the best of us. Um, I think it, it's it's gonna you know have a turnaround here soon in society where vulnerability is becoming a big thing. Um, I know that um, I've gotten very very comfortable with being vulnerable. I do not mind talking about my flaws. I do not mind going there at all um, because that is what has made me today is me actually my my failures. And I think any entrepreneurial um, mind. Uh, mind out there can agree with me that it's not so much your like successes that like feel good it's the fact that when you were attempting and you were failing at it once you did succeed that's what felt good it's the the fact that you were losing each time like and then once you tried that at one time that you tried again and you won you're able to celebrate you know, and I think any athlete too can relate to that more than likely. I was never the athletic type, but I, I would assume, you know, um, from friends that I have uh, and friends that you'll probably hear on the on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, so um, once we got married, things kind of turned around like for the better. Like I did not realize what a blessing it would be uh, to get married. I just, you know, I was one that actually saw it as more of a title, more of a um, tax uh, loop that you could use to kind of like get money back or like um, not pay if you, you know, did certain things correctly. Um, That that was my outlook on marriage. Like I always thought it was just like a title. Um, but then once it did happen, it was amazing uh, because we both committed so much to the marriage. Um, it was amazing how we started to bear fruit. We started to flourish. We started to like grow. Um, and it was all happening so quickly. Uh, our son was born um, November 14th, 2014. Um, and he was the most amazing thing that had ever happened to us. We were so thrilled, so happy to have a a baby boy, especially me. Uh, I think most men can kind of understand that feeling of, you know, the first one being your son. Um, It's always just that, I guess, that mentality of like, oh, it's the firstborn son. I can pass on my name and he can continue my name. Um, I don't know if that's still a thing, but I know I I did have a little bit of uh, a sense of like, pride that I was like yes my my firstborn is a boy uh and I and I we kind of both always wanted that we wanted the older brother and the younger sister so the older brother could protect the younger sister if anything were to ever happen to us Uh, because we did have that mentality that life was temporary we just never assumed that um or thought that it would be so temporary. So just to kind of speed things up, like she was 26 when she passed away. Um, She had just given birth to our daughter. So she passed away five months after giving birth to our daughter. So she barely spent any time with our daughter. Um, Luckily for my son, she was able to spend a lot of time with him. She became a stay-at-home mom and fell in love with hanging out with him, teaching him things. And it it really shows, it really shows that she dedicated time to him. uh, Because as I um, raise my daughter, I can see that she does need that time. And she hasn't really gotten it. uh, Because uh, everyone that is helping me in the family is also helping me with um, other children, like my son, and uh, nephews. 
that are that are basically that are uh, basically the same age. <coughs> Excuse me. And so it, it, it gets a little hectic. So it makes it a little difficult to give her that one on one time, uh, just like um, my wife uh, gave our son Riker. So our kids' names are Riker and Elena. Um, uh, the names were basically picked out probably, I want to say almost five, six years prior to actually having them. Uh, like I said, we were very devoted to one another and we knew we were going to have kids together. We knew we were going to move forward in life together. And, and I, I knew that I was going to basically be with this woman my entire life. And one of the main reasons that I didn't ever ask her to marry me was because financially we were never ready. But the truth is you're never really are financially ready. Um, you, you really aren't. You just, you just need to make that move and just, and, and move together in life and financially grow together. Uh, because obviously two heads are better than one. So if you have uh, a spouse in your life that uh, supports you and pushes you and drives you just as much as you do them, and you guys vibrate at the same frequency, uh, and if you guys want to get married but don't have a lot of money in the bank, I strongly suggest just commit to one another. And I'm willing to put money on it on almost to where it's like you will you will bear fruit. You will, you will be fruitful in your marriage if you, if you are committed to one another. Obviously, if there are speculations as to like, well, what am I going to get out of this? If there's any selfish, selfishness um, going into the marriage, that will show. It will show. Even if you think that you're going to love that person as much as possible, it's going to show. Um, the main thing that we always um, like practice was to not put each other on a pedestal to understand that uh, we needed to be able to move in life without one another. I think that's one of the main things that did help me when she passed because I did have a lot of people approach me and ask me, how am I taking this so well? How am I maintaining composure? People expected me to be like frantic and screaming and crying and the truth of the matter is I really saw no reason to scream or cry. I really saw no reason to act crazy in front of anybody um, because I was very blessed to have a lot of people around me. Yes, I didn't have my wife there and oh, so badly did I want her there. Um, and obviously, and I mean, honestly, behind closed doors, yeah, like uh, it was sad. It was dark. Uh, a lot of emotions to uh, pour out, but that was for me to deal with, not for society to help me deal with. A lot of people look to the outside uh, to gain strength or to deal with their issues, but I immediately knew because of what my wife and I had practiced that I needed to look inward. I needed to use my faith and move forward. Uh, you know, um, uh, for all of the all of you listening. Um, I'm not sure what, you know, you may claim religiously uh, or, you know, just uh, through your culture or your, uh, whatever your faith may be. I truly believe that there uh, there has to be something um, that you lean on in times like this. Um, and the I think the one thing we can agree on is that I did have a human experience as far as losing a spouse. It just so happened that what helped me get through my human experience was my faith. <clears throat> so I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'll save that for other episodes. Um, but I definitely want to uh, make it a point for people to understand out there that um, what keeps me going is my faith. It's not my children. It's not my parents. It's not 
people around me. I'm very, very thankful and I feel very, very blessed to have all of these things that I just named around me uh, to be able to support me. But at the end of the day, I am not going to put my dependency on either one of them because it's not fair to my kids, uh, my family, my supporters. Uh, it's just not fair, you know, because um, if you did, if you do that, you're, you're just going to um, uh, end up on a track to uh, destruction because you're going to put your dependency on people, uh, to satisfy you, to make you happy, to make you feel good, to be there when you need them. And the truth of the matter is not everybody can be there for you. Not everybody can, uh, deal with your negativity, uh, on a daily. Not everybody can deal with your, your drama because it is drama, you know? And it's like, yes, it is something that's very sensitive and very, um, I guess like, you know, uh, sad, it is a loss and it hurts. It does. I'm not dismissing that. And I'm not trying to sound morbid at all. Like I miss my wife. I love her very much still to this day. Uh, but I just don't see the point in um, spreading out negativity or sadness to other people. Um, I truly am happy because I do have um, a lot in my life. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy. It's like, you know, financially, um, it's, it's okay. It's not the greatest that will grow. That's what I'm working on, you know, and it's like relationship wise as well. You know, it's like, it's not the greatest because being a single dad, you really can't do much. Um, social life is very minimal, but that's okay. Um, it, it's okay at the sacrifice of my social life to understand that my kids are going to have their father and my kids are going to, um, grow and benefit from me because I'm going to focus and dedicate time to them when I'm with them. Um, I have a lot of people that ask me like, you know, as far as like, um, um, moving forward in my life. Like, have I ever thought of dating? When, when am I planning on doing that? Especially a lot of men, a lot of men tell me to get back out there and, and do it. It's like, but, uh, again, going back to like what my wife and I spoke about, um, when we were, uh, you know, together, it, it was, it was always about being selfless and, and I don't really see the benefit in my children's lives for me to date. Um, yes, there's a benefit for me, uh, obviously, you know, because I be, become more social and, you know, I, I get to kind of um, just uh, have a companion. Uh, but it, I, I don't think that should be my priority right now, uh, especially having two kids so young. My daughter's two and my son is four. Uh, this year, my daughter will be three and, and my son will be five. So, I think there will be a time um, when that will come. Um, my heart has always been open to it because I've always been one to just love and just, you know, through and through. Uh, obviously, through my experience, I've learned to uh, understand what true commitment is. Uh, so I, I would never want to just go out and just try a bunch of different things uh, just kind of figure something out because you're dating to me is uh, one of those things that um, that word has been like so loosely used that I feel like it really shouldn't even be called dating anymore it should just be called shopping because we tend to look at each other like objects and we say oh well let me try this one out for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or or a day even and, you know, at the end of the day, you say, it's not for me, I'll just move on, we'll go. But we don't realize that we're actually like destroying ourselves internally uh, on both sides of the spectrum. Even if you are the uh, one looking for the love and um, 
or if you're the one receiving the love, you know? And, you know, like I said, I don't want to get too caught up into that topic, but I want to keep kind of giving you guys the background. Uh, so we had our son uh, and then we, we did end up having our daughter or, you know, getting pregnant again fairly quickly. But I mean, you know, um, that's for me to that's me. You can blame me for that one because I definitely was a very passionate uh, person within my relationship with my wife. I loved her to death and I'm not ashamed to say that I was very, very attracted to her. Um, so we ended up getting pregnant fairly quickly. Uh, I noticed that in the, I want to say probably about the middle of her pregnancy, she started to develop a cough. Uh, but, uh, ironically she developed it right in April, um, right around the springtime. So, and like I said, she was pregnant with our daughter. So she was having, uh, multiple visits to the doctor as all pregnant women do. Um, but each time that she kept going to the uh, doctor, uh, they were dismissing it as allergies. I think the other thing that played a factor was that, um, unfortunately, my insurance had changed and the doctor that we were currently using uh, ended up out of our network. So we couldn't go see him. So uh, <clears throat> if we wanted to see him, we had to appeal and opt for it. And he even did try to keep us, but he wasn't able to. And we at the time could not afford to go to the her particular doctor and pay those visits um pay for those visits so um going each time she was going to uh i guess the clinic um that we have up here in down uh downtown charlotte um off of east boulevard and she was seeing multiple doctors each time so it wasn't the same doctor every time so every time she went in it was always um the cough was always new to a doctor even though um I'm sure they have written notes and documents that lead up to that those appointments that I, I'm sure these doctors should be looking over and reading, um, but you know I'm sure they do their best and uh, you know I, I'm I, I have no grudge against any doctor or anything out there. I just know that now I just try to take care of my kids and make sure and I watch what they eat and I always research everything that a doctor is telling me because that is the beauty of the internet nowadays. I'm able to research what I am being told by the doctor and I'm able to have a discussion with the doctor. Um, so anyway, so we, uh, we went through that little um, time period and I noticed that she was dropping weight, which to me was very alarming because uh, with our son, I noticed that she had gained weight. Um, and with a girl, they always say you technically should gain a little more weight um, just because of the uh, extra estrogen that's being pumped into your body. With the boys, um, the women tend to lean out a little bit because of the testosterone flowing through their body from the um, boy being developed internally. Um, <clears throat> and uh, when I noticed that she was losing weight, I started to kind of bring it up to her. She was uh, blaming the cough that she wasn't really able to eat that well. Um, and then it, she was still able to kind of eat. It just, it was very difficult kind of to, for her to eat. I'd say difficult, but like she was kind of just trying to push through. She was definitely like a tough chick. She tried to push through and just basically uh, was using inhalers that she was getting from the doctors, which was subsiding the cough a little bit. So that's what was making her, um, giving her the ability to push through, um, which kind of branches off onto a whole nother topic, but I don't want, like I said, I don't want to get off topic. I want to kind of keep going on my story. Um, she then um, uh, basically went into labor. Uh, I was, 
uh, at work. She had gone to go see her mother and her sisters to go swimming in a pool that they have, a community pool they have. I told her, hop in the pool because I think she was um, 34 weeks, 34 weeks pregnant. I may be wrong on that. She was basically due. Um, and I may be wrong on that count. I'll have to double check. Um, but she was basically due, like she was ready to pop and she was, she was tired. She was done. She wanted a baby girl to come out. So I told her, go see your mom, go hang out in the pool. She told me that she wasn't going to get in the pool. I told her you should get in the pool. It may possibly induce your labor. <laughs> uh, lo and behold, I, I get a phone call. It was like 5.55. I was just about to get off. I was literally about to walk out the door. At the time, I was a service advisor uh, at Hendrick Lexus of Charlotte. And um, I was literally shutting everything down, closing up, making wrapping up my clients, and making sure my sped- spreadsheet was good to go for the next day. Um, and I had actually been prepping my spreadsheet to be able to hand it over to an advisor in case anything did happen. And she called me and my mother-in-law was driving the, our truck and she was like, uh, you need to get to the hospital now. Uh, my water broke while I was at my mom's. Um, I laughed on the phone because I said, I told you, I knew it was going to induce your labor. And, uh, I was like, I'll see you there. So I was actually about, I want to say the commute was about 11 minutes from, my location where I was at to the hospital. So I definitely beat her there. When I got there, um, I went ahead and hurried up and uh, told the uh, front, the main uh, reception uh, receptionist that uh, my wife was coming. She was in labor. Her water had broke. Um, and I think um, she was trying to, I think I even remember telling the lady uh, how much she was dilated. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I feel like I remember saying that because I, I, I remember the nurse or the receptionist saying something like, wow, she's like, you really got this down pat. And because I did pay attention a lot to our, uh, the uh, first pregnancy and uh, the upbringing of Riker, um, through my wife, because I grew up an only child, had no idea and had no, uh, siblings, no like younger cousins that I really took care of. Like, so I had no idea how to deal with a baby or change a diaper or anything like that. So I paid attention with Riker and that paid off later on for sure. Um, so we, she had baby girl and it was crazy because even during the delivery, um, the doctors even noticed that her heart rate was extremely high. Um, my wife's not the babies. And um, when, uh, they really didn't pay no mind to it. They just kind of, I remember hearing them express that her heart rate was extremely high. <clears throat> so, uh, she, she pushed out baby girl. She came out so fast. Um, uh, labor did not last, but I think it was like maybe an hour and 15 minutes. Um, I remember my wife telling me like, John, that ring of fire deal, that shit is something else. Like, and, and I told her, I was like, respect, respect baby girl, because, uh, this had been her second natural birth. Um, I really don't think either way she would have opted for an epidural in the second one because she, she was very adamant about not getting epidurals um, uh, for her kids. For whatever reason, it was just something that she believed in and I just respected her for it. Like, And I mean, how could I not? For a woman to literally sit there and say, I don't want the painkiller uh, through the most painful thing and that I'm ever going to experience in my life. Like, hands down, respect to all women out there that do natural births. Even women that don't do natural births because I have read that epidurals sometimes don't even work. Just respect in general to women um, for, you know, taking on that role and that job. Um, 
So we had our baby girl. It was awesome, amazing. Uh, little did I know the pictures that we were getting in the hospital of the family being together uh, of uh, Ember, Elena, Riker, and myself just you know being together in a picture would be the only family pictures that we do have where she looks somewhat normal. Um, because after uh, delivery, uh, it was about... I want to say a week and a half, two weeks postpartum, uh, things got really bad. She didn't gain weight. She wasn't glowing. She was almost like um, falling apart, really. Like she was very thin, uh, weak. Um, like for a little bit there, I started to think she was kind of um, going to have, um, uh, what is it, postpartum, like when women become very depressed. I'm losing uh, like my thought there on like what the name of it is. But, um, yeah, like that's what I thought was going on. But then I slowly started to pay attention how um, one day I made her breakfast and I was getting ready to go out the door and I heard her throwing up her breakfast uh, and because of the cough. Like the cough was so intense, she was throwing up her breakfast. At that moment, I was really concerned and I decided to stop and not go to work and ask her what was going on. Um, so then I told her we needed to uh, speed up the appointment to uh, be rechecked after you give birth to a baby and um, she agreed Uh, I actually went back into the documents because my I had gotten an email um, during my maternal leave that uh, our insurance again was changing so I wanted to see if it was possible that our old doctor uh, was available and he actually was. So we scheduled the appointment with him. He was so excited to see us. Um, The moment he actually walked through the door is when I actually became really concerned because he asked her immediately, what is wrong with you? You do not look like the ember that I know. Um, And he immediately said that he wanted to do a chest x-ray, chest chest x-ray because uh, he obviously the cough and he wanted to see what was going on in her chest. So we did the x-ray. That was a Friday. um, And he told us to come back on Monday for results. So we came back on Monday morning. um, And little did we know our life was going to change forever. This is when he told us that there was a six and a half inch mass that had grown in her chest. Uh, And originally he had told us that it looked like Hodgkin's lymphoma. um, And he told us, you know, if if there was a moment where, you know, you had to pick what type of cancer to have, that would be the type of cancer to have. Um, I know that's, you know, just doctors just trying to kind of make things a little bit better than what they are. Um, and we took it for what it was. And when we left, we had no idea, no idea, no idea where to go, no idea what to do, no idea what was happening. Um, did not understand why it was happening. And I'm sure in her mind, things were racing a thousand miles an hour. I know in my mind they were. Um, I was already ready to fall to my knees and like did not want to lose my wife. Uh, but for some reason, throughout our journey, once she was sick, because he told us we needed to go home and pack our bags because she needed to be admitted, admitted to the hospital immediately. So we knew that we were going to leave our kids. Um, this, I struggled with watching her leave her daughter that she had just given birth to um it hurt me deeply inside not being able to see my wife enjoy her daughter it hurt me tremendously inside 
Um, I never wanted to leave her side when she was in the hospital. Uh, it originally started where it was okay, normal, we're going to do a few tests. Um, and then it got really serious really fast um, because she had developed uh, fluid in the chamber of her heart. And it was, uh, it was to the point where it was critical um, and it was obstructing her heart from actually pumping properly. So they had to do an emergency procedure. So they uh, basically, um, she basically ended up in ICU very quickly. And if any of you have ever spent time in ICU, you understand they don't really have chairs for guests or beds. Um, you get this like little rinky, well, originally I got this little rinky dink chair um, and I slept in the upright position probably for about three and a half hours and then proceeded not to sleep for about 72 hours um, because I never really wanted to leave her side. I never wanted to close my eyes. I never wanted to miss a moment because I knew that we had uh, came to a, a critical moment in our, our lives. Um, I knew where we were. I think she understood, she understood clearly where we were. We both knew that it was, it was hush hush time. It was not time to talk about the kids. It was time to put our heads down and pray and listen to the doctors and do what we needed to do to get better. And that's what we did. Um, in that we occasionally, because we spent about a month and a half in the hospital, um, and I mean, like I literally lived in the hospital. Like I had my clothes in my bag. I would occasionally leave to go see the kids, move the kids from one house to another, um, make sure that, um, the, uh, people that were, that people and family were helping me were well catered to, um, and just making sure that there was food. But, um, it was such a beautiful thing that I had so many people, so many people, uh, people that we didn't even know. Uh, just come through and just provide food for uh, the supporters that were the, like the babysitters and just uh, people that were just bringing food to us at the hospital, like snacks. Um, just uh, and you know, I occasionally left and brought uh, coloring books because my wife loved to color and paint, so I brought her a lot of pastels um, and just just things to kind of pass the time because you know you're you're kind of sitting there waiting and it's the clock's just ticking away and and you know that it's. I'm sure she knew it was ticking away. You know, it was her life. It was ticking away. It wasn't just the time. Um, you know, we finally got to a point where she was pretty stable uh, and they allowed her to uh, check out and we were able to go back home. And then that's when our journey as a couple truly started because um, we wanted to try to have the family life and we did our best to attempt to just um, be with one another and be with our kids and enjoy our kids. She fought so hard to just live a normal life as normal as she possibly could make it. Um, the one thing that I did notice uh, during our journey is just the amount of medication that was um, given to her uh, and the awful diet that, um, that she was put on. And just like the things that she was told that she was able to consume um, after immersing myself in research and immersing myself in holistic approaches, um, which I had basically tapped into, honestly, way too late. Um, I, 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 I realized that we possibly more than likely could have had a shot at keeping her around longer, um, but we both had... Uh, spiritual moments. Uh, she disclosed to me and, you know, um, 
my for my listeners, just take this however you want. Um, but I know what my wife told me, and I believe what my wife told me through and through um, because she never made up things. She never uh, said delusional things. She was always in her right mind um, <clears throat> up until probably like three days prior to her passing is when she started getting a little loopy. Um, but this was a discussion we had in the hospital. Um, and I believe she had this discussion as well with my sister-in-law, but she spoke to me and told me that, uh, there was a point in time where I had gone to work and, um, she was in the living room with our daughter. And this was when she could still, um, um, like move around and stuff. Um, she, um, had told me, uh, she told me the story in the hospital, um, and when it happened was when we were prior to get, uh, getting admitted to the hospital and actually even finding out about the mass. Um, she told me that, uh, that God, an entity, um, uh, energy source, just some, some form of powerful force came to her and told her that she had cancer and that she was destined to not overcome it. Uh, and it was, it was very hard to take it, very hard to take it in. Um, it started my journey with God. Um, it, it intensified my journey. It, it, it fueled my journey. Ironically, like it, you would think it would have made me like veer away from it or, you know, get angry at it, but it, it made me want to understand why, why would you do this to a brand new mother? Why would you go? All these questions started coming up in my head. Um, so I, I went, I, I mean, I went, I went to the source, you know, I started doing that thing they call prayer, which now I live by. Um, and I started to ask him why, like, you know, show it to me, show me what, what you've shown her. Like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Um, we've, you know, we followed, um, what we were, what we were supposed to do. Like, you know, we're married. We have you at the center of our marriage. What, 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 what is what is this? And, and it, it led me to understand that, um, truthfully that our relationship with God, um, the universe, whatever you may call it, but in, in my opinion, our relationship with this higher source, this entity that we all, that we call God or that I call God, um, it's not based on your, on merits. It's not based on your behaviors. It's not based on what you do. Um, it's, it's, it's about a relationship. It's about intimacy with, uh, this spiritual world and understanding that everything here is temporary is what I've came to realize. Um, and then there was a night that, uh, I had gotten home from work. I made dinner, um, and the babies were not with us. It was just her and I. And we were watching um, uh, that uh, cooking show, Chopped. And I had told her, I was like, well, I was like, now that it just ended and a new one's about to start, I'm going to go take advantage and, and go hop in the shower. Um, it, when I walked into the, sh- into the bathroom, I got all my stuff. Uh, I took one last look at her right before I walked into our bedroom, sitting, sitting and slash laying on the couch, uh, swollen at the face, um, legs propped up. Um, medicine bottles on the table. Just I, I looked at what we had came to, and it made me very, very sad. And it broke my heart. It it um, 
to see her not enjoying her kids really crushed me. Um, so I remember just walking into um, the bathroom to basically take my shower and do everything. And I closed my eyes and I asked one more time, like just, and I asked just very passionately and very uh, willing to receive whatever the answer may be. And I asked, if you're going to take my wife, show me. Like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want you to do that. But if that's what our outcome is, show me. And I just I just hopped in the shower. I was taking a shower and I was letting, you know, how most people do when they're under uh, immense amount of stress and they use the shower to relax. I know the majority of my listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it, it, it just, it, as the water was falling on me, I closed my eyes and this vivid image of my wife broken, swollen at the hips, swollen at the feet in a um, handicap wheelchair for uh, the beach. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen them like they have like the big, the big uh, chunky tires so that they can kind of get pushed through the sand. Um, uh, I, you know, I've seen them before and I mean, uh, and I vividly saw me pushing this wheelchair, um, down what would be like your wheelchair ramp, um, and seeing Riker run out into the sand. And I saw other family, which I, I, I truly believe it was the family trip that we went on just, um, last year, um, with my in-laws. Uh, you guys can check that out on my Instagram. Um, I, I tend to uh, document that stuff pretty well. Um, and um, when I saw that, uh, I heard him say, and I say him lightly, I heard the entity say, like, God say, like, he just just basically told me, regardless of if I leave her a little longer, this will take her. So it's your choice. I'll leave it to you. Whether you want her to suffer for your well-being, for your comfort, or if you'll allow me to do my work and save her. And I immediately fell to my knees and cried. And I was, and like I said, I don't mind vulnerability. I really don't. I was in the fetal position in the shower, just crying hysterically. Um... Luckily, I had put on music, so she actually didn't hear me. I know she didn't hear me because my music was blasting because I just, I wanted to just disappear into the abyss. I wanted to disconnect. It was, it was just so sad. It was too much at that point. Um, and I basically gathered myself, got out of the shower, came back out, um, and put a smile on my face and sat beside her and held her hand and I kid you not I closed my eyes and I just could imagine every moment that her and I had like been together every moment that her and I had touched and I just I I mean I I know this is gonna sound crazy but like I felt like love was being transferred between us just through me holding her hand and it was it was beautiful and it made me realize what real love is 
it made me understand that regardless of how much you spend, how much time you spend, um, I guess, uh, scouting or uh, dating, um, shopping, as I called it earlier, uh, through people, you know, uh, you know, because you're attracted to them physically, or because of their uh, careers, or because you know whatever it may be that you like in a that you look for in a in a partner, all that stuff doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, obviously, yes, you you do have to be physically attracted to one another um, to an extent. You know, because I mean, obviously, if you're not physically attracted, you're basically just friends. Um, you know, uh, but there has to be a foundation there of friendship. There has to be a foundation there of uh, good communication, because at the end of the day, when it comes time for you to go home and it comes time for you to uh, leave this temporary experience that we're all having, none of all that, none of the physical matters. None of it matters. It's all spiritual and it's all emotional in my opinion, because, um, uh, there was so much joy in my heart just by being able to sit there and hold her, hold her hand. And if I wanted to lightly kiss her cheek, because at this point, um, her skin had become so sensitive that the only thing I could do was hold her hand. I couldn't really kiss her because it hurt her. Um, but you know, um, I worked with what I had. I was thankful constantly for what I had, for the moments I had. Um, I I tell people a lot of times when I tell this story um, that I I learned how to love the way 70 and 80 year old couples love each other. Um, So uh, I I definitely learned how to appreciate uh, her for her through and through and not for her qualities, not for her accomplishments, not for you know, how well she did something. Um, but just for the like profound love that she radiated and emulated in our family. Um, it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, then we fast forward, um, Thanksgiving was coming up and it was getting kind of difficult because she was, her health was deteriorating quickly. It was getting difficult to care for her. There was one more visit that she had for the doctor and my father-in-law and my sister-in-law were with me um, or they were there at my apartment and my father-in-law looked to me and told me, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to like stay straight here, told me that the doctor had told him that um, it didn't look good that he gave her weeks, maybe days. Um, and, and I say that like, uh, he had told me because that was one of the errors that I made throughout my journey was I thought as a man that I needed to maintain our lifestyle, our, uh, house, our apartment for that matter. I should say in like our car, like, bills needed to get paid. So I continued to work, um, pridefully thinking that it was all going to be okay. Uh, if I could do it all over again, the moment I found out she was sick, I would have left my job. 
I would have found a different way to make money because where there's a will, there's a way. Um, so after talking to my sister-in-law and my father-in-law and, you know, um, basically crying and just saying no, because that's not what I wanted. Um, we decided to move her to my mother-in-law's house so that, um, during the day while I was still working, um, she could be monitored and watched. So then hospice kicked in and provided uh, oxygen for her because at this point um, breathing had gotten really difficult for her so then Thanksgiving came around I uh, I was at home at the apartment with uh, our babies and I was getting them ready to go see mommy um, at my mother-in-law's house for Thanksgiving I was a newly single parent at that moment and that day something told me something came over me and may uh, call it God again for me, it is God. It's and, and he, he came to me and he told me, this is what your life will be. But I'll be here the whole step of the way. So I couldn't cry at that moment because I had my kids and little Riker had already gotten had already been old enough to kind of understand that there was something not good happening. Ooh. I'm sorry, I'm trying to like maintain my composure through this, but this is difficult because this is true through and through story of what emotions um, came over me. Uh, so I got them ready. I put them in their Thanksgiving outfits and um, and we headed off to grandma's. And when I got there, I had gotten a text from my wife asking me if I was there yet. I messaged her when I was in the driveway of my mother-in-law's and told her, I'm here, baby. And she told me that she was really thirsty. It was the text that I remember. And I said, I'll get you some water as soon as I get inside. So I unloaded the babies, got inside, went straight to see her. And I got her her water because I noticed her water uh, had been empty. But I'm sure she had been drinking a lot of water because she did tell me that she had been getting really thirsty lately. Um, so I gave her water. I spent time with her. The whole family spent time with her, but then I also told the family to let her rest. Um, at the end of uh, that day, I took my kids to my mother's because um, I wanted to spend Thanksgiving as well with them. So I took the kids there because they were going to spend the night there and stay there. Um, I stayed at my mom's for a little while, told her. I hadn't told her what the doctors had told my father-in-law. I broke the news to my mom. My mother was devastated as well because she had um, inherited a daughter. So she told me to just have faith and just know that God is huge and just almighty and he can, you know, um, help you through this. My mom never really knew that I already knew inside because he had already disclosed it to me. Um, little did I know it was going to be really fast. Uh, so I decided to go see my father-in-law because typically we go see him on Thanksgiving, but because of the circumstances, it was a little difficult to include him in there. Um, um, her parents were divorced, so it was uh, originally went to my mother-in-law's where she was being kept at, and then my mom's, and then I swung back to my father-in-law's house. Um, I went to see him, and we decided to go on a walk. I had the pups with me, Copper and Onyx, my two boxers that I have, and we decided to go on a walk. Uh, because he's her biological father and we were talking about 
everything that was happening to us. And he was venting to me his emotions, and I was venting to him my emotions. Um, and it was it was crazy because we we came to a, a ledge over in South Charlotte, where you could just look over uh, South Charlotte Valentine, and and we were looking at the sky, and there was this cloud that he looked at, and he was like, "Look," he's like, "You see how that car that cloud's just dissipating? It's just disappearing." And he's, I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Maybe that's what the tumor will do tomorrow. Maybe God will just give us our miracle." And I faithfully told him, "Yes." Maybe he will. He'll he'll give us a miracle tomorrow. I know it. And knowing what I knew, what I had been disclosed, um, I kind of just held it in. Um, and I just decided, I was like, let me go see uh, my wife and just make sure she's okay. Um, I, I basically went to tuck her in. They were like doing the last checkup on her. Um, and she was so happy to see me. I'd never forget how happy she was to see me. So I walked in. I I told her, "Hey, I was like, I just wanted to come and and uh, and see you before I, I went home." And then uh, I told her that I didn't want to go home, that I didn't want to go to work the next day. Um, and her being her stubborn, dedicated self. Uh, told me, no, Jonathan, you need to go to work. You need to present yourself at work at least. If you're going to put in your leave, at least go in and do it physically. So I told her, okay. I was like, I'll just let me pray for you um, before I leave. And I just want to make sure you're resting before I leave. So she laid down. And I... I gave her my rosary, a rosary that I've been wearing the whole time all of this was happening. Um, because I do, I do use the rosary to pray. I don't pray the rosary itself, but I do use the rosary to pray. Um, I'll talk about that in other episodes again, moving forward. So I, uh, I, uh, I started to pray over her and literally the prayer I prayed, um, God answered the very next day. I asked him to allow my wife to stand upright in a body that was pure and perfect and not sick. To allow her to love her kids and love on her kids and love her husband the way she was intended to love them. And... I I remember I ended the prayer and I said, in your name, I asked this prayer and I said, amen. And she said, amen. And I gave her a kiss and I told her I love her. And she told me she loved me. And, um, and, and I told her that I'd be back in the morning right after putting my leave. I'd be right back. Um, went to sleep, uh, couldn't, I should say went to sleep, went home and tried to go to sleep, couldn't go to sleep. Um, it was Black Friday because it was the day after Thanksgiving. It was, uh, it was basically like 12 a.m., 1230 a.m. And I went to Best Buy just to kind of, I guess, like, you know, distract my mind. Um, cause we were living right in front of a shopping center that had a Best Buy in it. And, and I was like, let me go over there. Let me check it out. So I did, 
just distracting my mind, looking at things. And then I came home and went to bed. I woke up in the morning and I wanted to do the devotional. And I wanted to open up my laptop and um, I forget what I wanted to do on my laptop, but something came over me. I didn't even read the devotional that day. Um, I went I went to go over it and I remember looking at it, but I don't, I, I, I really strongly remember. So I was going to let the leasing office know, um, it, it cut off there for some reason. So I'm going to try to like back up. Um, I had, uh, said the prayer, came back, uh, home, um, went, uh, went to Best Buy because it was Black Friday to kind of distract myself cause I couldn't sleep. Then after distracting myself for a little bit, like I just decided to go back home and force myself to go to sleep. Uh, I did that, um, exact thing and, um, then woke up the next morning and I went in to put in my leave. Uh, I did that. And my manager was like, what are you even doing doing here? Should you even be here? I told him no. I was like, I just wanted to put in my leave physically in person. And he's like, just go home. Don't even worry about it. Um, so then I went back to, uh, to our apartment because I wanted to go ahead and let the leasing office know that... Um, we were going to be uh, needing to break the lease because uh, we had literally just signed the lease. Um, and then something came over me. I was sitting down on my laptop and I was going to send over the email because the leasing office wasn't open yet. Um, and something came over and told me, don't read the devotional. Don't send an email. Just go. So then I got my stuff and I hopped, uh, went to hop in my car and I ran into my buddy, Andrew. And I talked to uh, him and told him like what was going on. And I went ahead and got in the truck and on the way to, uh, my mother-in-law's house, she called me and told me that Ember was not waking up. She was breathing, but she was not waking up. I told her put baby girl beside her. Um, you know, because she'll wake up to Elena's crying like in a heartbeat, you know, that's that maternal instinct, you know, they just wake up. Uh, and she told me that she had been, uh, she sent me a video of Elena crying right beside her and she wasn't budging. <laughs> so as I'm on 485, which is a major highway we have here in Charlotte, um, uh, I, I started praying and asking God to just give me strength for what I was about to walk into. Uh, and I got there when I got, when I got there, I noticed my father-in-law was already there. Uh, I had called him, but he hadn't answered. So I figured, okay, well, once I saw his car, I was like, okay, that's why he didn't answer. Um, I'm walking in or I'm getting out of the car and I'm walking in and my father-in-law says, John, get in here now. I think we're at the end. And uh, I walk in and I see my wife slumped over, just pretty much almost lifeless. I could still see the glow slightly. Um... And I could still feel her presence. Uh, when I got there, uh, I grabbed her hand and she squeezed my hand. And I told her that I was here. I said, baby, I'm here. Uh, I love you. Um, we had had this discussion months ago. And I told her that I loved her very much. I loved her very, very much. And then I knew where we were. And then if she was there, 
that we had already talked about it and to go home. Um, it wasn't, but like maybe five, ten minutes later, uh, that I felt her take her last breath. Um, it, it was, it was, it was, um, I want to say probably the most intense moment that I have felt in my life where I could tell you, or I should say not the most intense moment, the most sensitive moment in my life when it came to feeling energy, um, spirit, an aura, whatever you call it. Um, and I felt it. Like, and I think it was just because of the strong bond that her and I had. Like, I literally felt when she left. I literally felt when her spirit just flew. Um, and it was crazy because, like, the moment I felt it, the sun just kind of panned in at the, at the, the exact mo- like the exact moment. It was almost like, like, just kind of like uh, to give you an illustration and kind of be facetious about it a little bit. Like, um, like it was like almost like like her spirit walked off and she opened the door to where heaven would be and like the light was coming through the door. So like it almost felt like like somebody had opened the blinds um and all my family was there around us and like um they everybody noticed the like the light that came into the room like the sun just kind of like just like shined so bright into the room um and then time just just like came to a screeching halt um i laid there for a little bit with her and closed her eyes and saw um, the color in her eyes had kind of like gone away Uh, and then everybody kind of started pouring in like other family my mom my dad my cousins they all kind of poured in and and said their goodbyes and I grabbed my daughter and I walked out and I looked at the sun and I looked at the sky and I looked at my daughter and I thanked, I thanked God for my little girl. And I told Ember that I would take care of her little girl and that I would take care of our little boy. And I would dedicate my life to them and make sure that they were brought up good, how she would want them to be, to be respectful, to be giving. Uh, a lot of other qualities that she wanted in our children, but just made a commitment to her that I would do that just because physically we weren't together. I still had a commitment spiritually to show them the way back to her. Uh, and that's, you know, when my journey started as a single parent, you know, and, and I'll, uh, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. If you are listening, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I'll I'll go into you know uh, more detail um, about being a single dad and the struggles that I had initially uh, later on in other episodes, um, but for now that's my story, um, you know of me becoming um, a single dad and, and understanding and learning the the value in in marriage and and having a a loved one that cares for you and is selfless for you. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that, um, you know. Um, 
uh, follow, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I have a YouTube channel as well. I'll see how I can link it in, uh, in the podcast. I probably can't. Um, I'll, I'll look to see if there's an option. If not, I'm in my Instagram or my Facebook. You can uh, go to my Facebook and find the link to my Instagram. Uh, and the link is in the bio of my Instagram. So you could, you're, if you want to follow my story, um, I'm going to vlog my children, my life, my family, um, and my journey as a, a single dad and entrepreneur uh, in Charlotte. Thank you again, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks.